the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm here with Clinton Selfridge, who is a incredible real estate agent. You do a lot of high-end real estate. Uh, he started off in New York City selling, I think, penthouses, right, and high-rises. And then you Big moved houses. over here to San Diego, and you've sold over 50 million in homes just last year. Correct. And now, uh, you know, it's a different market, but I wanted to bring you on the show. Thank Glad you. To have you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. So um, we're here in this uh, 2022 market, which is kind of nutty. It's a little but different. I remember the first time I met you, we were, uh, God, I think it was 2015, maybe 16, something like that. And we were at a party and I'm sitting there and you kept having, uh, it, the party was like a real estate networking thing. It was, mm -hmm. I think, an escrow party, maybe Fidelity National Title, something like that. But there was all these people coming up to you and I was like, God, this guy must be sort of real estate famous. <laughs> and I was like, I need to get in with, you know, maybe get some referrals from him and, and just work with him because I know I knew you'd sold like some really high top end homes and, and it just was like impressive. So thank you. Um, thank you. Ever since then, we've been friends yep. and I don't do loans anymore. So I'm sure you still have a mortgage person somewhere, but <laughs> I do. I, I have them scattered around. <laughs> you just pick and choose whenever. Well, you know, it's, they offer different things at different times. So that's good. It's just, um, you know, building up the, the network. Awesome, man. So tell us how you got in the real estate business. Um, well, it's, it's, it's kind of a long story, but um, I'll, make, I'll make it quick. I can remember when I was uh, 14 years old, I started, um, you know, wandering around uh, open houses in my parents' neighborhood. They were living in a new new um, development in Dallas, and uh, my mom was like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, I'd, "I'd like to go to some open houses, please." And so, you know, at that age, I needed to take a, a guardian. Was there like little treats, like little like stickers and stuff? There wasn't little stickers, <laughs> but there were maybe some treats to eat. Yeah, like and, Snicker bars, and, and so that that sort of helped. Um, but I remember like going and seeing these houses, and. Um, I would go home and just, uh, you know, sketch the floor plans and things that I liked about the house and things that I didn't, I would try to change. And initially I thought I wanted to be an architect and um, I went down that road in college but realized it was way too detail oriented for me and way too much art. Mm -hmm. So I realized that I loved properties but I, and I wanted to sell them. I didn't want to, you know, design them from scratch. So um, I moved to New York City uh, after college and uh, I met this uh, lady that was like, you'd be great in real estate. I was like, isn't that sort of an old ladies game? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, back in, in those days in New York, it was Upper East Side and a lot of, you know, ladies in their power suits, you know, going out right. for, for three martinis at lunch. And um, but it was way more than that once I got into it. And uh, I just started working with a, a top agent and, uh, you know, got my um you know, sea legs and, and basically just started selling. And um, it was, it turned out to be a really, a really good thing for many years. Absolutely. Man. So that's interesting. So 14, so you weren't, you know, riding your, your mountain bike or you were, you were just like on the weekends. Going I was to... doing that too, but on Sundays, open house day. That was the day you, know? you went over so, to the open houses. Yeah. So afternoons was, was something I just started. And, I, I kind of uh, feel like a lot of stories, the success stories start out with like, for some reason, people who have like really high success really started young into and in, in, into something had an interest, and then for some reason they just 
they focused on it and it just sort of, sort of over years. I mean, not that you can't be successful if you start later. Right. But it just, I think it makes it easier. It's kind of like kids that start out speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if they're Americans, they start speaking Spanish at a young age. It's just comes natural, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like you being around that really kind of helped sort of like launch that. A little yeah. Bit, it I think. just, it launched my interest. Yeah. I didn't know how it manifests itself in, yeah. in what sort of occupation I would end up having. But I remember, you know, following the interest and following yeah. the dream of, I really like, you know, working with properties and homes and, and seeing what's great about them and how do people live in them. So that's, that's cool. kind of how it started. And so that was in New York, or then you went to New York. I went to New York after college, and that's where I started in real estate. So, And then you started, I mean, back then they probably weren't as expensive as they are now, but they still relatively to Texas was yeah, know, much higher. Yeah, they were definitely end. more expensive. <laughs> right. um, I remember when I was 25 selling a $7 million townhouse wow. um, on the Upper East Side. Um, and, you know, those are sort of New York things that you can't do in most of the country. I realized I was very fortunate, um, but it was... Also, just being in the right place in the right office and and coming across the right clients, and that's cool. it just worked. That's so, awesome, man. That must have been a great payday. It was a great <laughs> at payday. at twenty five. Yeah, right? yeah. You might have had a split though with the with the broker, maybe. I, I did. Okay, um, still... I did have a split, but you know, I I found the client and I got the deal, and I had, you know, the the other agent sort of helped me with it, and uh, you know, it was certainly worth you know worth it. Yeah, so I think most real estate agents would would dream of selling these, you know, seven million, ten million homes. It's just, just something that, like, obviously we get paid a percentage mm-hmm. commission. Yeah. Same with mortgages, right? The mortgages, uh, you, you're paid on your points or whatever right. your comp plan is. So, you know, naturally anyone would prefer to sell, you know, bigger homes or bigger mortgages. Is that kind of something that came into mind, or did you just kind of like rather you just like being around nice homes? Like, what was the yeah, was I, I didn't intentionally surround myself with a certain segment of the market. It just kind of happened. Um, and then, you know, once I, I moved to San Diego, I realized that, you know, I, I really enjoyed the luxury market and I, I couldn't really go backwards. Right. You know, so I, I needed to stay, you know, working in Del Mar and in La Jolla and Rancho Santa Fe and, and working with uh, the luxury, you know, buyers and sellers. It just interested me more. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes it can be harder to do a first time, you know, home buyer than it can someone that, you know, buys a five, $10 million house Absolutely. just because they've done many transactions before and they know what to do. So someone that would buy a five or $10 million house, tell us about that kind of client. Like what are your clients like? Are they driving Bugattis? And <laughs> <laughs> some of them are, um, and some of them are, you know, very understated and, would never want anyone to know they had money. Right. Um, you know, also I have a lot of clients who uh, have second homes in San Diego and are sometimes third, sometimes fourth. And so they live other parts of the country or uh, world, depending upon the season or the weather yeah. um, or their tax situation, as we all right. know. So, um, you know, it's, it's a real mix of people. But I do also enjoy working with first-time home buyers. you know, that might be, um, you know, uh, sons and daughters of clients of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I think when you're in the the high end luxury, your 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 clients tend to be a little bit older. Yep. And then you know you work you network with them and you work with them in a good relationship. They want their kids to work with you as well. That's cool. So it's it's passed down. So yeah, absolutely. Like you know when you're a younger like I imagine when my kids want to buy a house at some point they're gonna 
you know, ask me to help them as far as like, who should I use dad, you know, or whatever. Right. Right. So uh, that's naturally going to happen. And, and, and you know, what's the key to success, right? Has repeat business and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing a great job. So that customer comes back to you. And and if you're not doing that, then we're not, you know, we're not going to be successful. So um, we have had a lot of people move from, you know, other parts of the country that are full-time residents and they've, I had a buyer move from Washington, D.C. that mm-hmm. took a job in Encinitas and they wanted to live by the ocean in La Jolla. So, yeah. you know, there were very few things to show them. Fortunately, we found one. Yeah. But it's it's a real mix. And it's it's usually a referral situation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all about networking and, and making, um, you know, good relationships with with people in your sphere. Absolutely. So like you would say your business primarily comes from networking with people versus like buying Zillow leads and stuff like that, right? Like do you mostly get your your clients through just like referral or is it more like do you put magazine I, I would, ads or like what? there's some magazine ads. Um, you know, I think that there's a certain element of um magazines that people pick up and they they do want to see their agent in there, um, you know, in some of the properties. But I wouldn't say that I get a ton of calls off of them. It's more just like, you know, know, I'm in the stream of consciousness in the community. Sure. And it's part of your brand. It's part of my brand. Right. Exactly. They're going to wonder why you're not in there if you're working with this guy and he's not. I'd say, you know, word of mouth referrals tend to be the best clients. Yeah. Um, not that, not to you know say anything against Zillow leads, um, you know, with an internet lead, there's just a lot more uh, hard work True. that you have to go through. And I do have an assistant that helps me, you know, sort of weed through that. We don't actually, we're not doing Zillow leads right now. Um, we are working with um, an internet company that um, is really help helping cultivate internet leads. And a lot of the, th- the people that we're getting from them are, are across the country mm. who are looking to move to San Diego, but they didn't have a previous relationship here right. um, or a previous real estate person to work That's with. That's cool. So I think with Pacific Sotheby's, right, you have an international reach. Mm-hmm. And so when someone's maybe if they're in Europe, right, or Italy or something there, and they're like, man, I'd love to have a house in San Diego, La Jolla, yeah, yeah. Rancho Santa Fe or second home, right? Um, then it, it, you know, Probably being part of a, a, a company like that has its perks, right? Like it, it does. We do a lot of referral business yeah. in-house. Um, so basically, um, I had a cl- I had a client um, and, a, and a friend who's a neighbor, and they called me up the other day, and, and she said, do you know anyone in Portugal? I, we, we'd like to buy a property in Portugal. And so I, I called my network person, you know, the marketing person, the referral network and got a name and hooked them up with an agent and they've met with an agent and they bought something. That's cool. So, and I get, you know, paid on that. Right. So it's kind of a small portion, but it's, it's nice to have, it's kind of bread and butter. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so, great. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, people, luckily San Diego is a great location for second homes. Yes. Great location for international people to come, right? Like it's the best weather in, in America. It is. You know, I don't even think you can argue about that. I think no. everyone knows that. Everyone right? pretty much knows People it. like Bill Gates owns, pro, you know, own property on this on the ocean front, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Alicia Keys. I didn't even know Alicia. Alicia Keys is in La Jolla. Really? Yeah. And you know, I mean, countless athletes, countless music stars, because mm-hmm. it's it's one of the best places. I mean, you know, L.A. these days is is gone downhill right. in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so where else do you go, right? Pe- you know, people from San Francisco are moving down here. People from L.A. are moving down here. 
So the market's still really tight, right? Like, like we're going to talk, in, you know, a lot about the market, but, you know, leading into that, what, what would you say it's like today? I think it's probably frustrating, right? With like very few listings out there, like very few, like, are there, is, is there a thing like a pocket listing now? Like, I know that was a big thing back in the day. I mean, we still have pocket listings for yeah. people that do not want to go on the market and expose their property. But, you know, and I know that's worked well in other communities like San Francisco and Los Angeles. I, I don't think that it works all that well here. It's hmm. kind of like a, a secret listing right. that, that no one really knows about. And, you know, I think pocket listings worked well when you had, you know, localized market. Yeah. And there wasn't the Internet that you have today. Right. So because you, you know, want to get the most offers, want, the most money, most eyeballs on the property right. that you can get. The more you put eyeballs on it, the higher your price, the more interest. True. So I think it's imperative that, you know, people people publicize these things. Otherwise, no one knows about them. So when you get a listing, do you I mean, it's got to be, you know, you got to put money, you got to market, you got to put effort, time, energy, all those things. Is this a good market to have listings? Uh, it's a great market to have listings, I think, because it shows uh, if a buyer, uh, sorry, if a seller is interested in selling, yep. they seem a lot more committed to the yep. process right now. Um, our market is in transition. Uh, we are, you know, suffering from a little bit of lack of inventory. Right. And um, but you know, it's it's benefiting people because they're they're sellers willing to do deals. Yeah. And you're you're out of the market where there's, you know. 10 buyers for, for one listing and everything is going over multiple. So would bids. you say that this interest rate hike that's happened um, has affected the, the ultra luxury market or do you think it's not as much? I think it's affected the, the, all, the whole market. Yeah. Because even if they're not going to take a loan on the property, the interest rate situation is affecting them on other parts of their portfolio. Right. And, you know, and then you take in the fact that we have a lack of inventory and a lot of um, people are sort of sitting still right now because they don't have a place to go. Uncertainty, right? Too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. It's like what a, you know, kind of sit sit tight, wait, mm -hmm. see what the Fed does, see what the stock market does, right. see what the elections did. You know, which they just did. Uh, well, actually, we still don't know. Yeah, right? we're, <laughs> but, we're closer uh, every day. We're but. closer. Um, but like, just you know, once this certainty kind of like levels out, then people might get back in. Or maybe, mm -hmm. and I think you know maybe. I don't know if you you probably see this more than I, but um, when people put their house on the market, I would think right now there's a lot of testing the market. You know, can I get this price still, uh, or is it is it you know more people that I have to? I would think it's less I have to sell and more let's see what I can get kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's both. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that. Um, but are you seeing distress sale at all or not no? yet? Yeah. No. Especially not. in the high end market, just probably not. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, that, that I saw in 2007, you know, where people just could sit, sit and wait it out. Yeah. And I, so I'm not seeing a lot of distress at this point. Yeah. You know, no one has the crystal ball and things could change, but. That's why I brought you on. I thought you had yeah. a crystal ball. Well, I, I, you know, it's not working so well these but days. But you have your finger on the pulse. So I you do. kind of feel the, the, the pulse of the market. Mm -hmm. what, tell us kind of what you're based on that, like what you're thinking is going to happen. Oh, uh, gosh, I, it, that's a hard one. I, I will tell you, um, I was listening to an economist this morning at my company. We were talking about the state of the market. And one of the things he was saying is he'd run this study on, on pricing. Mm -hmm. and, and prices tend to go up more in the spring, and they tend to be softer uh, in the, the fall-winter months. Right. So 
we're, what we're seeing in the market right now is if something is priced correctly, mm-hmm. there's activity and things are selling. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of buyers are going forward, even though interest rates are hard, you know, are, are really high and their, right. their payments are, are crazy, but they're, they're anticipating um, interest rates coming down and being able to refinance pretty soon. Yeah, I think that's a smart move It's when you can get in at a lower price and then refi later, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a strategy people do. Right. Because, you know, when, when rates are super low, the values are just going crazy mm-hmm. like they did. Right. I think it was like, well, I don't even know what the stat was, but the, the amount of um, appreciation that happened in the last two years was just like was unsustainable. Off the charts. It couldn't charts. continue. Yeah. Yeah. So now. It's more normalizing. Normalizing, yeah. and I think you know you're seeing price cuts in other air, in, in all kinds of areas around the country. Uh, although you, you may you may see you're probably seeing some of it here, San Diego. Some price we have cuts. seen it. Yes, yeah. I mean you know the, the past two years up until the summer, you know during COVID, there was no reason no reason to you know cut a price because yeah. things were selling so fast, and there were if that person didn't want it, there were five or six others behind them that did. They should have called them price bursts. Yeah, like, price bursts. Because <laughs> like 200,000 over asking, million yeah. over asking, like yeah. crazy stuff was happening. Um, what was the biggest over asking you saw during 2021 or 2020? Um, I saw a million two over asking. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yep. That, buyer, that seller was happy. That seller was very happy. Yeah. And the, the strange thing is the the people ended up buying it and they've totally ripped the house apart, you know? So rich people, there's just, you never know. It's what people will do. And yeah, there's still a lot of money out there, you know? Well, you know, especially like when you have a, a place like San Diego, you, you're all about location, right? So you might pay this incredible price for a house, but it, and it, the house isn't perfect. It's not exactly what you want. And so, you know, if you have, all, if you have tons of money, you can just do whatever you want with it. Right. I'll but the location is the key. That is right? what That's, you cannot change. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think also the reason San Diego has been on fire uh, is, we, as you mentioned earlier, we've had a lot of people from San Francisco, yep. a lot of people from LA who can work in a different way, work remotely now. Um, and they don't need to be, you know, in these, in those communities and they can get a whole, they got a whole lot more for their money coming down to San Diego. Right. So, and, and is that, kind of the contrast is do you see that like I don't know if you follow those markets but are is it dropping more in those areas like San Francisco and and LA I mean I just hear that the quality of life is is what I hear most about yeah uh, up in those communities that but is that affecting the price you think I think it's affecting the price yeah I mean I think ultimately it does and especially if people are, are fleeing a, a market to go somewhere else um, there's there's less buyers right um, but you know I, I, I'm not predicting the demise of either of those. Yeah, I mean, these markets are still always going to be strong, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Big cities. And I would predict that, like, or kind of just assume that those markets were also tight, like, in 2020, 2021. Yes. As far as, like, listings, there weren't a lot of really listings. Tight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think during this last, couple, this last couple of years, so many people couldn't buy because they would get outbid by these guys, mm-hmm. you know, bid a million over. They're like, I'm not, I can't do that. Right. So, you know, they're, they're, the ones that were winning were these really ultra high net individuals. Or what about like um, firms like, you know, obviously we all know about BlackRock or Blackstone and Vanguard. And, and there's other firms that, you know, we haven't, you know, really know. They're not big names, mm-hmm. but they we're buying up kind of like portfolio of property. Are you still seeing that? Like, I'm not seeing that right now. So you think they kind of just back, kind of I went away? I think they pulled pulled back. 
I'm just kind of I mean, waiting. The yeah. speculative nature of of some of the market, you know, when you have um, Redfin canceling their their home buying program and mm. and Zillow getting out of the the flipping business, you know, there are things that are happening in the market that, you know, weren't sustainable. Yeah. Do you think that those firms that um, maybe own those properties might sell them, or do you think they're just kind of going to keep them on as rentals? Um, I think that some have been, yeah. uh, you know, on the market and a lot of them were not, unfortunately they were not great properties to purchase, right. you know? And so they ended up having to, uh, spend a, a fair amount of money, uh, you know, improving them and getting them sold. And maybe they weren't on the right location and things like and that. Time the market, right? Right. Do you, so have you got any calls from, Oh, this is Zillow. I want to sell a house. No, no nothing like nothing that. Nothing like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of figure, and this is like my own theory. I always get these, these theories um, where like some of these firms that are buying these properties, they're never going to sell them ever. Like yeah. they're just going to keep Hold them forever to, for portfolio and rent. For, yeah. Because yeah. rents not gone, hasn't gone down and right. I don't see it going down. It, if anything, it'll stabilize. But like if, if, if these firms are buying up property every year, right, there's only so many homes in a, in a, in a, in a city. Mm-hmm. You know, those if those go off the market forever, right? That's like a, a interesting contraction, yeah. Which keeps prices higher, I would think, because yeah. you're gonna never have that for sale. And it's I think it's been harder for the smaller home flipper, you know, that's not sure. part of a, a master, you know, a corporation. Because yeah. um, I get emails and texts and calls all the time from people saying, "I'm looking for a fixer upper. Be happy to <laughs> if you if you find one, you can represent us and." You know, but it just, they're just hard to find. Yeah. And, and is it because the, the bigger corporations have their, their, um, feelers out more or is it because they're just not those properties? Well, I think there's not that properties. I yeah. mean, I think your theory could be, you know, seriously onto something. It's like they're, they're taking that market segment away. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is another thought is like as the boomers age out, right. And they want to sell or, you know, they have to sell because they're no longer here. Mm-hmm. Um, those homes could be fixer-uppers, right? Because a lot of them just sort of stayed stagnant, never were you know, improved over the years. Um, so I think that could turn into an opportunity, mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, as far as like you know, more listings, more, you know, more activity right. with, the, with real estate. But you know, then again, if they have either they're, they're free and clear or they've got a super low rate mortgage on it where maybe the estate or the the, the person who inherits it is going to be like, I'm not, I'm not going to sell this. Like I could, yeah, I could rent it out and cash flow like crazy. Like mm-hmm. why would I be stupid to sell, you know, a house with a 3% interest rate on it? Right. So I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. That's the conundrum right now. Yeah. It's like a standoff, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's why we're seeing a little bit of quiet in the market. Have you heard of any uh, innovative products to help with that problem? Or is there like I've heard of assumable mortgages, but I, I don't think that's even a thing anymore. I mean, I think some government loans can be assumed, but it's just rare. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, really, the only thing I'm hearing about is is buying the rate down. Like sellers mm-hmm. are, um, you know, helping uh, first time home buyers who couldn't qualify. Yeah. Um, you know, because of their situation and their purchasing power has gone down because of the rates. But if they do, if they buy down the rate, then yeah. it, it makes it a lot more. Um, advantageous and affordable for them yeah i think that that's got to be happening yeah i mean it's like makes sense that's probably the first step before reducing the price like hey i'll give you credit Mm -hmm. to buy that rate down yeah but there are even people writing them in the offer 
as as uh, buyers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the agents are getting smart about yeah. that. I'm sure. And a lot of uh, sellers, you know, are going for it because they want to get their home sold. They want to move on. Right. And you know, of course, every seller is different. Yeah. But it is it is happening more and more. You seeing still cash buyers? Still see cash buyers. Yes. There, yeah. there's no shortage of, of those. <laughs> and, you know, oftentimes it, it, when we were in the COVID situation and we were in multiple bidding situation, people would make their offer cash and then come back later and refinance yeah. at, their, at their leisure. But they wanted to make sure they stayed on the, the quick timelines um, on the transaction and, and make sure they, they got the property. Yeah, and I think that sellers were obviously way more interested in cash buyers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're always going to be, right? Like right. forever. They're, it's like you got a cash buyer or you have a, you know, a loan that may not go through. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to choose? Yeah, ultimately. So if there's less cash buyers now, then that's a good thing for the first-time home buyers. It's a good thing for the, you know, maybe veterans who have a VA loan that might may, may have taken 60 days to close, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day or, you know, last year. Um or, or just people that, you know, have limited down payments, right? right? No, it's definitely good to sort of even out the market. Yeah. It was just too top heavy towards cash for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of people that, you know, can qualify and yeah. should have the opportunity to purchase. That's good. Um, what about, um, do you, so you have, you said you had mortgage people that refer you, or that you prefer business to? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like, um, bank loan officers that you refer business to, and then you have a mortgage broker kind of like, kind of, you split it up between like, you kind of feel out the client to see if who they'd work with better. Like, how do you look at I that? I really start with the client, like who the relationships are yeah, and, um, and then go from there, like you tailor know. it for that yeah, particular, loan you officer. know, some people are like, Oh, I would only finance through first Republic bank or, right. or something like that. And so, you know, then I, I know someone at that, um, at that organization that I could, you know, set it up with. Um, but you know, just having uh, a mortgage broker that can work in many different arenas is also very advantageous too, because you're not just marrying that one, you know, company's uh, mortgage, you know, products. Right. Right. So you've got options for them. And like you were saying, like you have, you know, a, a, sele- a, a, a vast wide kind of array of customers and clients that mm-hmm. you work with. Right. So, you know, it's not one stop or one, you know, shoe fits all kind of right. thing, right? It, yeah. You, you're going to have people that are entrepreneurs with 16 different businesses or maybe they sold their companies. They have no, you know, W-2 income, but they have, you know, passive income or whatever yeah. it is or just right. assets. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, you, I'm sure you've realized. You've got that, to find the right person to work right? with that situation. And probably someone that is at your level uh, experience-wise, mm-hmm. you know, and, and can can deal with a, a higher-end customer. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think ultimately, even though we're a luxury, um, you know, I work with a lot of luxury uh, buyers sure. and sellers, people still need a lot of hand-holding, and they right. need uh, someone who's going to follow through. Right. And I think that's kind of my biggest thing is I want to make sure that the relationship is, is some, someone that's going to follow through and do what they say. Right. And that's, you know, we all get busy, yeah. but it's, that's to me is, is, is paramount. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, whenever you refer somebody and then you hear back, oh, yeah. they never got back to me. Yeah. It's such oh. a bad reflection on you. Right. Yep. You're like, not going to do that again. Yeah. 
So you want to make sure that that it's it's someone's working at the same level that you are. Right. In interest, right? Like, yeah. And they're and they're not retired and right. doing it on the side. They're not calling from the golf course <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> every day. Oh man, I, I'd be, it'd be nice. I but... would be great. I'd love that life too, but too soon. No, too soon. You need someone that's going to work hard for your clients. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of that, you know this this show that we do here, this this podcast always trying to find ways to help brokers get more business, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's really the mission of this podcast. So um, speaking of, like if, if a broker wanted to really create a, a relationship with a high-end luxury real estate agent like yourself, what is the best way to go about that? Is there is there a secret to that? Or is it just like, you know, you meet them at your golf club, like you said, or you meet them at your, your country club or your, 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 you know, you just like, what would you do? Like, if you were starting out, you know, and they and you were to give advice to some young person that was getting in the business. Like, what would you tell them to do? I would say try to get creative, and find someone that you know that knows them, mm-hmm. and try to make a, a warm introduction. That's good. Um, I can tell you what I don't respond to, and that's just uh, people that call and call and call and call. It's annoying, right? It's like, annoying. Yeah. And it just I don't have time, you know. Right. But um, there's a mortgage broker that was starting out in the business. Um, about a year ago, okay. and uh, I, he he knew someone that I knew, yep. and that, that's exactly what happened. He uh, talked to that person. They reached out to me and said, hey, would you uh, spend some time with Alex and, and talk to him? Give him a shot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I did. And, uh, you know, it's it hasn't really panned out into any business yet. Um, but, I, you know, we talk, and I'm sure it's going to. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been a... That, that's kind of the way, you know, the relationship starts. Yeah. And, and it doesn't remember, happen overnight, right? You remember the beginning when you I do. got into the business yeah. and probably time. someone that helped you, right? Like got kind of like networked with you. And I think that's, that's, it's kind of fun to get back when, you know, we're, we, I got gray hair, you don't, but you know, when we get a little older, you want to like kind of, you know, help people a little bit yeah. and show them the way, you know. But I gave him some good ideas about how to help his business. I gave him a, a book that I was reading just that I suggested and, yeah. you know, things like that. It's um, cool. Yeah. So I want to yeah. run something by you sure. because I think that this is a way I can't believe that most mortgage brokers don't do this. Maybe some do. But if I was a mortgage broker starting out and I wanted to get business from a luxury real estate agent like you, I would go find as many, find some buyers, some really good buyers, mm-hmm. pre-qualify them, mm-hmm. call you and tell you, hey, I've got a buyer uh, that's, that, that, uh, that is in your area. Yeah. And I would love to refer them to you. They're qualified. They need to find a home. I'm not a real estate agent, so I need to give you know to them to somebody. I, I think you're you know give you a little butter you up a little bit. Like I've seen that you've closed these yeah. these these homes. You know you're super successful. Would you take my buyer? Would you work with them? Yeah. And then you know you're gonna answer or return that call. Yeah. I'm gonna give you that client. Do a warm handoff. You're gonna you're gonna take them. Show them you know, all the nice houses. You're gonna sell them that house. I'm gonna do the loan. Right. And then the next time I call you. And you see my my number pop up I'm on your gonna phone. I'm going to take your call. You're going to take my call, right? <laughs> Hello, right? Like, that, yeah. isn't that a, I would think that every broker would do that. Like, that's something that you can do as a mortgage broker. And then when you have a customer mm-hmm. that might be difficult, yeah. and, and I say difficult, I mean more complicated, complex. Mm-hmm. They can't get a loan at First Republic or, you know, at a B of A or, or you know, city private client because of whatever reason, who are you going to call? Right. Yeah. And I... The I, one that's giving you business, Exactly. Right? To, and I remember these things, and I'm very loyal. And someone that gives me something, I want to I want to give them back. It's just, you know, make it share the wealth for both. 
So hello, mortgage brokers. Do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's free information right there. Um, But like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I remember there was a a mentor I had um, when I was early in the business and they would give away all their secrets like Mm -hmm. that. And I asked him one time, like, why, you know, why are you telling everybody this? And he's like, well, most of them won't do it. And I, I will outwork them. So if they do it, good for them. And I'll still get as much business as I get because I'm hard worker and I've, I've had the, you know, the, the runway of the years of experience to do it. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways and people tend to complain and just, you know, oh, the market sucks and, you know, I don't have any referral sources, but there's ways to get business out there. Definitely. Just have to get creative. What other secrets do you have? Oh, gosh. Um, well, one thing that's we used to do more of during COVID is we'd have broker caravans where we all as agents go out and see the new properties on, on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, oftentimes real estate brokers would, would go out on caravan yep. and they have access to the MLS. They can see, um, where, you know, where the properties are and, and just go out and tour properties and meet agents. Yeah. And, and don't uh, be creepy, right? Just be not creepy. Just it's be not normal. like, Oh, here's my card. Call me. Yeah. You know, it's, I think those days are over. It's really just, it's about a relationship. Yep. But if people don't know you, they're not going to call you. Right. And so you need to get in a situation where you're around people that can refer you business. Yeah. And, and just connect on a personal on level. On a personal level or, or networking or some sort of charity that you enjoy. I mean, right. you, you just need to be around people that are going to, you're going to connect with. I think we kind of got a little spoiled last couple of years, you know, things were easy, yeah, right? Low hanging right. fruit. Yeah. You know, the caravan thing is, you know, I, I mean, I know personally, I don't like doing caravan, yeah. like going to the caravans, but it's like, that's cause I, you know, I built my business and was able to get referrals in other ways. But, but I remember out, I had to do yeah, it. Yeah. And if today I had no business, yeah. You better believe I'd be at the caravans. Yeah. I'd be bringing donuts and maybe not donuts, but I'd be bringing tequila or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. To like make friends and just you know put on that smile and just network. And I mean, you, I think we have to go back to being a little more hardworking and a little it, more. We're, kinda, we're back to the real estate of the of the past, and and same with mortgage. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's not, it's not just you have a heartbeat and you can just do multiple transactions, you know, just by showing up. Right. You have to, right now you have to work it. Does uh, Sotheby's have a mortgage division? Uh, they have a sort of separate area called San Diego Funding, but it is not part of Sotheby's. Okay. But you all. kind of like network with each other and. we Yes. And there, there are some people that, um, you know, I, I call on from time to time who, you know, one of the ladies that I know has been in the business a really long time and if things are, there's a complicated deal, I know she's going to know about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think for also some of my clients I've referred to her, you know, she works on the weekends and with these first time home buyers, you got to work on the weekends now, you got to be available, yeah. you know, cause that's right. when they're out looking. Um, and, and she answers her phone and that's, you know, that's yeah. been one of the reasons for her success, um, with so many agents is that, you know, she, she does what she says she's going to do. It's those little things, right? Yeah. Just answer it's not your phone. rocket science, right? It's not. <laughs> answer your phone, text, message, mm. keep communication, yeah. work on the weekend. You know, I mean, at some point you can go back to not having to work on the weekend. If you've, you know, if you've, if the market turns and, you know, you'll, you'll have your life back. Yeah. But 
But if you don't have, it's like, do you want a life or do you want, you know, to pay your bills right now? It's like, right. you know, you gotta, you gotta do it. It's, it's the delicate balancing act, but you know, the, I've been in this business long enough to see so many different cycles yep. and nothing stays the same for very long. There's always a change on the horizon. It's like a storm, right? Yeah. You know, it's eventually going to come out of it. And you know, it's, it's hard to predict, but there will, there, it will be different today yep. that you know next year than it will be now. that's the good news yeah, <laughs> yeah. um what about self-employed bar, uh, buyers do you, do you come across that like business owners and yeah i do and you know you with a mortgage person you've got to really understand that mm-hmm. um and i've had you know success with getting them loans and you know but it's working with the right people it's working yep. with the team do you you know one of the things i think of when i see you know high-end loans or high-end real estate it's usually people who either own companies or they're they are self-employed you know obviously they're, they're doctors surgeons and people that you know that work for hospitals or whatever that you know can afford really nice right. homes mm-hmm. and things like that but i would imagine if you're like the super high end isn't necessarily a w-2 workers right as much no totally so i think you know that's why i think not a non-qm is important when it comes to the high-end luxury market absolutely right yeah because like using their bank statements to qualify could be the, the make or break it of mm-hmm. that deal closing. Right. Um, I'm sure being in the business for 30 years, like you said, you have you have you have to have a good story about a client, maybe a difficult client, maybe a, whatever it might be. I got to pull it out of you. Like so, tell us something juicy, something oh, good gosh. about about a client you've had. You don't have to name names. No names. No names. No names. <laughs> um, well, I will tell you um, about a situation. I guess it happened right around, right before COVID started, um, selling some properties in Coronado. Um, very affluent couple getting a divorce. Mm. Um, she had a, a really large, large home on okay. the ocean. He had a very, you know, newer but smaller home on the bay. And um, the they went to family court, and the judge was like, "You, these need to be sold." Mm. And we would get offers on both of them, but neither of them wanted to be um, the first to sell. <laughs> it's a little and so, standoff. So there was a, a bit of a standoff for mm-hmm. for for a year, and um, all all the while you're marketing, spending we're money. marketing, spending money. The good news is they had two very smaller properties that were under a million dollars a piece that were just little investments. We did sell those easily. Nice, but. The big ones, the over twenty-five million, and the uh, over uh, thirteen million, were the ones that you know. That's the nice commission sale. That's the ones you're working so hard for, right. spending all the marketing dollars and all the magazines and you know just the time commitments and things with showing. I mean, when you're showing a, a over twenty you know thousand square foot house, it takes time. Sure. So it's um, got to be just right too. And but anyway. Um, at the end of this year, neither of them wanted to sell. And so basically, we just had to fire the client. Um, wow. But what happened is the, the large house uh, had offers at 17. It was priced at 25. Um, the other house um, was priced at 14. It had offers at 11. Hmm. Neither of them, and this was pre-COVID, wanted to take it. They're like, oh, it's worth more. It's worth more. <laughs> And of course, of course, more. it's worth more. And um, anyway, uh, the the big house is still on the market. Oh, wow! 
and it is gone. It is now it is, probably what they would have sold it for before, no, right? No, they have actually increased the price. Oh, wow. So I am very happy that I <laughs> let that client go. Because it could have been another year down marketing, It could have been three, it was three, four years, wow. right? Because it was before COVID. So. And that ain't cheap to market those no. kind of houses, no? No. And, you know, at the end of the day, they were just not nice people. Yeah. Um, to each other mm-hmm. and to uh, real estate people. There's probably a lot of negativity during that yeah. time with those. I mean, well, it's I, a very emotional thing. I yeah. mean, I'm sure a lot of mortgage brokers out there know, you know, mm-hmm. it can be very emotional in the transaction. And, and thankless. And thankless, right? yeah. But that's why we make the big bucks. Yeah. But I, so you can fire a client. You You're telling can. us that. You can fire a client. If it's not working. Um, and, and there were some other issues where the client was drunk one afternoon and decided. Tell us the story. Well, this is the juicy part, right? The, the juicy part is, you know, I'm not. I'm always wanting to help the client. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I would be an adversarial yeah. you know, situation and try to, you know, be a jerk to a client. It's just sure. not how I operate. Um, but he he did call um, one afternoon and was drunk and just started screaming and yelling on the phone Jeez. about you said you were going to show my house today and, uh, and you're not here. And I left the house all day long and, and no one's been there. <laughs> and I was like, I did not schedule the appointment. It was a, it was a tentative appointment, mm-hmm. but it was never scheduled. It was a possible appointment. And, um, you know, but I think because of alcohol getting into the mix, mm-hmm. it, it really brought out a very ugly side of that person. And yep. I was just like, I'm just not, I'm not going to do took this. it out on you. Yeah. I'm not going to do this. I've been in the business too long and you know, not everyone is, is going to work well with everyone. True. Um, and you know, I value my, my life and my time and the people that I am able to work with. And I looked back on it. And I had been spending, you know, 85 to 90% of my bandwidth on mm-hmm. this one person to the detriment of all my other clients. Right. And, wow. and so I decided that that was just the right move. Yeah. Man. So. That's a, that's a good story. I mean, it's, it's tough to give up that, those dollars, like those commissions. It is, and, and but there were other things I sold yeah. that were, you know, uh, close in price. Yeah, I mean, um, you made the right decision because you said ninety percent of your time was on this, yeah. which never would have sold. Right. Well, still the, to this day, still available. And then you know now I'm sure you know like you said last year you sold fifty million worth of you know real estate. So yeah. you probably wouldn't have sold fifty million if you know if that one didn't sell and you still That's had right. that. So yeah, you made the right move. I think so. Um, any shout outs uh, to people along the way that have helped you? I know you know you said you started in New York or in and. You know, so just curious, you know, there's always someone that's helped us. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, I say for me, there was a guy named Stephen James, who was my first broker when I rolled into Douglas Elliman in New York City and with my license in, <laughs> in hand and really no experience. And, um, you know, he took a chance on me by cool. hiring me and um, then, you know, got me set up in, with other agents. And it turned out to be a, you know, a great situation. But it's really just that that one first person yep. that that kind of believes in you mm-hmm. that you never forget. Yep. And um, you know he's still in the business today, working for Berkshire Hathaway, I think. So, um, you know, he'd be my my shout out. That's you know? cool. So, and you never know when you can be that person for someone else, yeah, right? Like, right. I think back to the person that got me in the business, and 
you know, I talked to him every once in a while, probably every like six years. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that, that person doing that one referral saying, Hey, you should hire this guy yeah. and train him and get him in the business. And, but yeah, so yeah. I don't know, maybe this is a, this is a chance where we can do that for someone else. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm in a position today where I can help out other people and I, I get a lot of reward from that. That's cool. So. What about teams? Like I know you said you have an assistant. Have you ever mm -hmm. worked on a team? Like, is it, you think it's a good thing or you know, personalities is tough? It's, or? it's like a daytime marriage, right? <laughs> right. It's some of them work, mm -hmm. some of them don't, but I think, um, ultimately I haven't seen a ton of them work. They yeah. work for a time period, but then they fizzle out. Yep. Um, either one person's doing the work or one person's traveling or, you know, one person doesn't want to spend the money or, you know, one person's ego is just way too big. Yeah. So yep. it, it can, uh, it, it can work, but it's, it's usually, it's not usually a formula that I see successfully. Right. Um, but like an assistant kind of helps An assistant's you. great. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. She's kind of my right hand. Um, she's licensed, so she can sell on her own mm -hmm. and, um, you know, but I'm able to call her with any, you know, contracts that need written or so showings need to be set up or, to, you know, client communication. That's cool. And so, you know, she works a lot from home. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been a lot more flexible during COVID mm -hmm. as we all have, Right, we um, had to. you know, you don't have to be in the office a certain amount of time, but we do try to have office hours every week where we can uh, sort of connect and, and really, you know, focus on the things that, that we need to do together. That's cool. So, yeah. So if someone's trying to find you online, I mean, I know Google these days that you can find anybody, right? Yeah. So I'm, look up Clinton Selfridge yeah. and Sotheby's and give a shout out, send you a, send you a referral. Referral <laughs> or, you know, if anyone needs any assistance and, um, you know, just, with whatever, I mean, yeah. I, moving to San Diego, I, I get calls about the community all the time too. Absolutely. I mean, I think when you're in real estate, you're kind of an ambassador for your community and yeah. people call me like, what's the best restaurant downtown or, mm -hmm. you know, where do you eat in La Jolla? So it's not um, amazing that like, you know, if you're relocating, there's uh -huh. so many nuances that you just, you'd be like, Oh, this looks like a great house, but yeah. you're like, well, that house is got this around it and mm -hmm. it's not, you know, there's so many things, right? Like, I, mean, I remember when I moved to Nashville for a little while, it was like, you know, people would tell me like certain areas and, but you, you know, it's so important to have somebody boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. That's my, my point is just like I could ramble, but my point is that like, if you have someone that really knows those, those nuances and ins and outs, it really is priceless yeah. when it comes to buying real estate. So. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. It's yeah. nice to be here. All right, everybody, please like, share, subscribe, and comment, and, and let us know who you want to have on this podcast because we'll get them, and we will uh, interview them, and have a great time. Keep giving you guys value. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. The Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast.